Hi, I'm Forrest Griffin. Brian Caraway. And Lisa Pace. What's up, guys? This is Joseph Benavidez, UFC flyweight. Hi, this is Greg Jackson, and you're listening to It's MMA Zing, and that is an amazing pun. Get it? Like MMA, but amazing? Amazing. Radio. Welcome to It's an Amazing Radio. Or you know what? Maybe it should just be welcome to Diamond Dog Radio. Because let me tell you, folks. <laughs> we are... Uh, Woof. I'm Dr. Law. Let's start with that. Hey, Nate. With, mm-hmm. me as, with me, as always, is DJ Mark. Correct. Also joining us this week, the Nate of this podcast, Lavender Gooms. Oh, wow. <laughs> who's, the, who's the one that woofed while we howled? That was That's Mark. True. Mark was the that, Nate of that I did. I, I did. I did the Nate. The Nate. Uh, the the unenthusiastic wolf. All right, I picked up right. on that. Very of good. This podcast. Last I, I, I am the Leslie of this podcast. All right. Oh, that's not of the, the case. That is not even at all the case. Um, folks, just putting this out there. The last, I'm going to say at least the last half an hour of this show. It's gonna be Ted Lasso talk, Because right? um, there's not gonna be a lot of MMA talk. We talked about it last week, um, probably the week before. We're in the dead zone, and what am I gonna talk about, guys? Um, I'm just thinking off the top of my head the people who've been arrested for domestic violence and MMA in the last month and a half: Mayhem Miller, Luis Pena twice uh, or a second time, Chuck Liddell. Though sounds like there's a, some family issues there. Um, John Jones. We got BJ Penn wants to be governor of Hawaii. And in addition to getting rid of mask mandates, BJ Penn wants to get rid of the TSA because BJ Penn's sick of, wait, sick of waiting in the fucking airport line for security. BJ appears to be confused about federal and state guidelines also because <laughs> he said he's going to get rid of federal mandates too. He's on an island. What are they going to do? Come um, all the way over there? No way. I think that's what's going on here. BJ just well, seems I like mean- he's just living his day-to-day life. And whatever's but causing I, him a mild inconvenience is what he's against. <laughs> but I'll tell you this. What other MMA fighters have been correspondents for CNN? You know, the sad thing is, you, you. I, I, if you, I mean, I'm not from Hawaii. I don't know the culture over there, but like how famous BJ is. BJ could win. You don't know. Um, he's rich, right? He already was rich. He's from a rich family. He's really? famous. People have been president on less than that. Um, yeah, guys, MMA stuff is just not, it's not good. <laughs> um, but, uh, this is what we're going to do this week. We're going to talk a little bit, uh, about Marina Rodriguez's big win, um, over, uh, Mackenzie Dern, um, mm-hmm. five round fight where we learned a little bit about both women. Um, we're going to talk about, uh, some fight, bre- some fight news this week. Um, some breaking news that happened today too, including Leon Edwards's next opponent, um, and a move of the flyweight championship fight. And then we're going to make some picks for this weekend's, uh, I already forgot the main event. <laughs> Someone tell me. The uh, main event. Lad and who's this other? Oh, yeah. For some reason, we're letting, Asp- DeMont? we're letting uh, Aspen Lad fight. Um, mm-hmm. Sure. Why not? Um, but we're also going to pick the Bellator um, tournament fights for this weekend. And we're, mentioning, right. we're going to talk about how Benson Henderson's getting out there against Pren- Ben Primus. I know it's Primus, but I like saying Primus. Just makes me Sounds happy. Sounds like Optimus Prime. Well, it's also the band. So it makes me happy. And uh, she sounds like a pretty good fight. But let's get into it, Marcus. Um, we all were wrong about Mackenzie Dern, if I'm not mistaken. We all thought Mackenzie Dern was going to take the win here over yeah. Marina Rodriguez. 
Not that mm-hmm. she didn't seem capable in this fight, but it was clear Miss uh, Rodriguez had the advantage, correct? Yeah, um, it was it was a fun fight. It was an interesting fight. Um, and we, we kind of broke it down last week. Um, Rodriguez was going to have the advantage on the feet. It was really going to be if Dern had made enough adjustments to get the fight on the ground where you know she was going to be able to capitalize. And what was interesting and fun about this fight is that we Dern get, did get the fight down. You know, it wasn't pretty. Um, I think the strategy for her entries was really basic. I can't remember who her coach was. <sighs> Bob, do you remember who like that striking coach was for BJ towards the end of his career? Like Justin something? It wasn't Justin P. Was it Perillo? I think it might have been Perillo. Was Perillo out there? Okay. I think he was. I think he was Mackenzie's main coach, and he really gave her a really sh- simple strategy that had some success early on. He basically said that you need two touches: throw a one-two as your first setup. Now I need you to like change levels and then throw another punch and then enter the clinch. And she did that in the first round. She was able to clinch up uh, Rodriguez on the cage, but um, you know uh, Marina had a good defense. You know she was able to get a deep uh, underhook in, fend off that takedown, win the first round on striking. Um, the second round, Dern came out a little bit more aggressive, was able to get her in the clinch against the cage again, and she went for like a judo throw, which ultimately failed, but really didn't matter. Like the whole point was just get it on the mat. Um, as soon as she did, she was able to reverse, get back on top. And the second round was easily Mackenzie's best round. She spent a lot of time on the map, dominated Rodriguez. I think a lot of people judging the fight even gave it a, a 10-8, which I don't, that seemed a little drastic. Um, she was dominating the ground, but Marina actually kind of caught her in this weird Anaconda Darsh choke when she was in side mount. She didn't have the position to really finish it, but she definitely trapped uh, Mackenzie's head in there. For a second, and kind of negated her being able to advance. But after that, you know, Mackenzie was able to advance, get all kinds of really good positions, but didn't really get super close to threatening with any submissions. And then the rest of the fight, Marina was kind of able to make some adjustments to stop this two-touch strategy. And Dern kind of stopped doing it. I think she she started realizing, you know, it wasn't working as easily. Uh, Marina was circling out, not allowing her to kind of like bum rush her in, into getting into the cage. Um, Dern did, I think in the fourth round, you know, uh, when they got in a clinch in the middle of the octagon, um, Marina throwed a a pretty hard knee, but Dern kind of ate it and just kept pushing forward and they kind of stumbled onto the ground. Um, she was able to get mount, but even in that, even in that round, um, wasn't on the ground long enough to really win. And it was mostly just Marina using her length. You know, she's a pretty tall straw weight. Um, she has long arms and she utilizes, you know, she really utilizes that reach when she is striking, um, and Dern just really didn't have the skill set to hang in there on the stand-up, didn't have the skill set to in- initiate clinches often enough and control Marina in the clinch, and definitely just didn't have the, the different avenues to get Marina on the ground. So she was kind of outclassed most of this fight. Yeah, Bob? Um, so Mackenzie, I wish I knew this before we picked the fight, but I remember seeing this, and I saved this for later when we would talk, that she has got mm-hmm. a... 10% takedown accuracy rate. Which, mm-hmm. just to give you context of what is a good or bad one, um, there are 506, 546 fighters in the UFC with 20-plus takedown attempts, and she ranks 542. T- 10%? Yeah. She has got two successful takedowns in the UFC before this fight with four submission wins. I know she, the instinct is to say she needs to work on her striking, but and she does but mark i really think she's got to get some offensive wrestling here going because if she gets people to the ground that's when they're in deep water right i mean that's her greatest path to victory right so 
In addition to like, I mean, Jason Perlow is a good striking coach. Jason Perlow got Michael Bisping a UFC title, partly. That was partly his doing. So, but maybe maybe just assuming she's good on grappling is not the way to go. How, how has she gotten so many submission wins in the first place with such shit takedown offense? I mean, I said she's got four submission wins off of two takes official success, successful takedowns in her career in the UFC. That is a good example of a fuck around and find out. All right? Because some people decided to test the situation and got tapped out. But what do you think, Mark? I mean, what do you think should she should do next? Uh, I mean, yeah, no, I, I think a strong regiment of really drilling in wrestling would be great. You know, if she could get a shot where she can actually shoot doubles or singles, because really, when you talk about her success rate, it her successfully taking down would be great. But like in this fight, she failed at a takedown. And it worked into her favor drastically. You know, she went for this judo throw that, you know, she sold out on and it didn't work. Marina had her back. Within 10 seconds, she was on top again. Like her getting the takedown isn't as crucial as like if she can get the fight on the ground and she fails a takedown, that's a success, right? If she can hit somebody and they fall down, that's a success. If she drops down and they follow, these are all successes. They're not successful takedowns. But yeah, I think there's a couple avenues that I think if Mackenzie Dern really focused on them, she could be a much more deadly fighter. And I think, you know, getting better stand-up is important because she's going to be spending a lot of time in the stand-up when she's not able to initiate these takedowns. But one, getting better at, you know, takedowns, whether it's in the clinch or in free space, you know, working on a shot or something, whatever it takes to get them to the ground. But I think even on the ground, I would say there's still some room for improvement. Her ability to scramble is top, 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 top. I mean, it, like, and watching her uh, on the ground in this fight was so fun. It's just like watching Habib. These guys that really know how to grapple, it's just a, it's a thrill to watch, watch them and see what they do. What I would really like to see Dern get even better at is drilling ground and pound. So she's not just spending this round where she's completely dominant, just like getting different positions and scrambling and getting into mount, like get into side, get into mount and drill fucking elbows and bloody these chicks up. Because once you start blooding them up and fucking up their face and getting bruising, it's going to make the stand up more difficult for them. It's going to make your entries easier. Um, so I think definitely in this fight, you can see it with her coach. Like <laughs> the coach said, like once you got to the ground, like, oh, you're just having fun there. Like there was no. Anal analyzing that fight when it was on the ground from from the coaching staff like you know what you're doing here like i'm here to teach you striking and that's really all we're i we think care honestly about, she needs to we talked about it last week and we were trying to be funny at some of it with the damian maya stuff but i really think like damian at the end of his career not the last couple fights because everybody ages but damian on his welterweight run really <laughs> found his how to like it wasn't like damian doing blast doubles either you know like, Damien would clinch, Damien would do what he needed to do to get the fight to the ground, and at that point would act actively work his, you know, I'm not a yeah. grappling expert, but she's a world champion, he's a world champion. She needs to take a page out of his book of, like, the different ways of getting it down to the mat, because, it's, and still work on your striking, don't make, make sure you're not inept standing, and Jason Perlow is a good coach to work with, but some more offensive grab, some more, like, stand-up offensive grappling even if it's like getting him against the fence you know getting him against defense getting i don't know pull guard i don't know if you want to work out of your off your back the whole time but you know she needs to the best thing that i always thought about like gsp is that gsp always made sure the fight it's why i think gsp is the best the fight was always where gsp was at the it was always in the position to 
do his, to, to, to do his best. He always made sure wherever the fight was taking place, he was in a position to execute the best offensively. And the other person that was at a disadvantage to execute offensively. And a stand-up striking fight is very much the opposite of that for that of that for Mackenzie Dern. So as a fighter, I think always you need to put yourself positionally where you're gonna succeed. You know what I mean? I, I missed this fight. So Mark, maybe you can tell me. Did <laughs> she actually try and get was her game plan mostly to try to get the fight to the ground, or did she actually try to stand for the most part with Marina? Yeah, I mean, the strategy, I mean, what was fun was the strategy was very clear. They were very clear on what she needed to do. She needed to get in the pocket and how they wanted to do. And, and to get in the pocket was really to back up uh, Marina and then to get them against the cage and figure in any way to get down. Because, I mean, Bobby, you're right. Like, whether she successfully gets the, the fight taken down or she pulls guard or she goes for a lateral drop and it, it messes up like it, there is no really fail. On, a failed takedown for her is that they don't end up on the ground. Whether she's on bottom or top, that's a fail for her. If she, like in this point, when she went for a judo throw and it failed and she got her back taken, that's not a fail for her because she instantly got on top. So, yeah, Mike, the strategy was to basically strike a little bit, fake a takedown, hit her with another strike after that, and then get her against the cage. And once you're against the cage, you know, figure out how to get it down. Um, and the strategy didn't get too deeper into that. Like, once you're in the, there wasn't a lot of clinch work to start analyzing like you need to get doubles you need to shot you know you need to drop down to to go for a shot or something um it was mostly just this really basic i want you to touch twice throw two punches really not even aiming to hit her but just to get into range change levels so she thinks you're shooting and then throw another punch because you're in the pocket now and once you hit that punch then actually shoot get clinch what have you and she and she did that a couple times successfully but she really started getting deterred because Marina was catching on to that strategy. She would circle out when she started hitting the, the cage and wouldn't allow her to get crowded up. And then Marina just started getting off first a lot more, which made Dern, uh, you know, very gun shy. And I, I mean, her, her biggest flaw in the striking is just that she's super not comfortable there. She doesn't like getting in the pocket. She doesn't want to get hit. Um, you know, her defense was all right. You know, she got her hands up. She she ate some shots, but nothing super clean or super damaging. But it's just really not her realm. So, yeah, it was disappointing. I mean, at the end of the day, we didn't really learn a lot more about Dern or even Marina. We both knew, like, where their skill set lied. And it was just who's going to be able to implement the strategy. And, and Marina did, you know, yeah. to her credit. So. I saw um, Ariel was saying maybe a number one contender fight with for Marina next. And I'm like, just give her a fucking title shot. Like who cares? I think Marina's even pushing for Carla to get to get that title because oh, this she, is one twenty five though. Yeah. This is one twenty five. Isn't it? Uh it's strawweight. Uh, was that fight at strawweight or one twenty five? Yeah. I thought it was at one twenty five. Yeah, it was. Which one? What was strawweight. It was a strawweight. Strawweight. Yeah. Oh, that was my mistake. Oh then yeah. I Carla should be getting a title shot right now. But Yeah, I mean I I think Marina's right there. I think this was not, kind of a it's not a giant and grave injustice because I mean this is not the first time the UFC's, you know, just there's took been the, worse. Took so we check. can't really, you know. I mean, Whaley got kicked in the Whaley here. got kicked in the fucking head a minute into a fight, and I'm like, okay. But anyway, um, our guy Randy Brown got a win on this thing, Mark. Um, mm -hmm. Didn't see it. Yeah. Uh, Marina and he McKenzie made, picked he up. Made a stink. Uh, Randy Brown made a stink after the weigh-ins about his opponent missing weight. Indeed Basically saying that uh, lower-end guys, um, he's insinuating that lower-end guys are more incentivized to, you know, maybe not make weight as 
20% for them is much less than a bigger person, but the possible payout of them winning is, um, you know, a greater as they would get the win. He was basically advocating for higher percentage of um, penalty when you miss weight. I don't think the math works on that. I was going to say the same thing, Bobby. Like, this guy's not, not that, making I mean, much. That's, why, that, that, that's how percentages work. <laughs> that's how percentages work. But, like, if he won, he still had to give ten, like that money to it's, Randy also. It, it was basically the Chris Rock argument. You know, you got to give half and you earn 50,000, 50, you know, whatever. But you got to give, you know, 200 million, you know. No, Chris Rock made the exact opposite argument. Chris Rock said, if you if you get twenty oh, million and you have to give up ten, so what? You're not starving. If you give if you're oh, twenty thousand yeah, right, and you give up ten, it's a fucking tragedy. I'm about to kill, kill you. somebody. Yeah, it's about oh, actually, it's a, yeah, shit, literally right. the yeah. the opposite argument. Yeah, so Randy Brown. Because <laughs> I'm like in my head argument. doing Randy. I'm doing some Randy math, math, uh, Brown math, and I'm like, all right, if Randy Brown doesn't miss weight, he gets ten thousand. I'm assuming it's ten and ten. For the sake of easy math, I mean, maybe a little bit more. They work. I think it's, I think it's twelve and I think it's twelve and twelve now for them. I'm talking I mean, about the lowest, know, it, the lowest. If level. you're only earning ten G's, you know, like, and you get fined, let's say, and you're gonna get fined twenty percent, but you're able to go into that fight like a meaty six pounds heavier. You're like, yo, two G's. They're not yo, gonna let you it. fight yeah, at six. Go. Pounds. They're not gonna let you fight six pounds okay, over. Okay, okay, five pounds. Mike, you're making a. Okay, you're taking this argument side just for the entertainment of it, but it's so mathematically flawed. But I'm just like, okay, you like best case, Randy, the, the, like the guy making ten and tens getting sixteen grand if he misses weight and, and a wins. W if he wins. But like, he's making sixteen grand. He's giving his four grand to the other guy because he has to give twenty percent up, even if he wins. It's like you got to keep that money. And an L. He's giving the other guy an L as well due to the extra weight. He's but not, not gonna, in this He's case. not necessarily going to win. He lost all the rounds. You know. <laughs> He had a better chance, though. Based on what? That's the weight. Based on what indication yeah, do we Jordan, have about that right yeah, now? Yeah, Jordan thought he did the math right, too. And at the end of the day, he's <laughs> yeah. like, oh, fuck, I lost this fight and I lost money. Yeah, this I was, was going to say, this, did you teach him this? Was this your math class? <laughs> Damn. <laughs> it sounds like something a sleazy manager would say. Like, oh, don't worry about the weight, man. You're going to lose a little money. We're going to make it back. I mean, that being end. said, I am a person who lost $2,000 because Jeremy Stevens missed weather weight by five pounds and need the motherfucker I needed to win into the next dimension. And I was just like, great, thanks, Jeremy. <laughs> Way to fucking make an effort to make weight. Um, that was at the Apex. They're not going anywhere. They're going to be at the Apex next week. Um, we'll talk about that fight in a minute here. Um, some news that has broken in the last couple days. Um, we got ourselves a Jorge Masvidal fight. Jorge Masvidal is going to take on um leon edwards nice We're getting that fight um, about time it's going to be on pay-per-view at the final pay-per-view of the year ufc 269 on december uh buh, 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 buh. i lost the date not the main though right well, it was, I think it was uh, december 10th it was i think it's i think it's the co-main because what they did in response to this was they moved the trilogy fight between brandon moreno and um figgy smalls over there uh mm -hmm. davison figurito yeah, i see it. the, it's also the, nunez and pena and then so, that that flyweight championship okay that's good so that's i good is nunez the main event then yes at least as far it is oh, listed yeah. here well because leon and uh jorge are going three rounds yeah i mean 
this is usually that's how it goes unless you're a diaz brother yeah. you get five rounds for whatever fucking reason but no diaz here no five oh, wait no the main event is uh it was gonna be three title fights the main event is charles Oliveira, dustin poirier okay. so it was gonna be it was gonna be three title fights and that's only gonna be, be great that I is a, this is Google, a, this card right now card. based on what i'm reading on mma junkie apologies for the noise folks um my phone just went off. Um, we got ourselves the main event of, Ch of Charles Oliveira, Dustin Poirier for the lightweight title. Sounds fucking awesome. Amanda Nunes versus Juliana Pena. Juliana been talking a lot of shit. That's what Juliana does. God bless mm -hmm. her. Um, Leon Edwards, Jorge Masvidal. I like this one. Pedro Munoz versus Dominic Cruz. I don't even know that was happening. At this mm -hmm. point, Dominic yeah, Cruz fighting that. anybody is some white whale, sh white whale shit. Um, Sean O'Malley's fighting. Sean O'Malley's on there against some guy. Ryan Great Hall. Card. They're letting Ryan Hall fight somebody? Okay. Um, Kai Kara France versus... Uh, I don't know why I'll say France. Kai Kara France versus uh, Cody Garbrandt. I like that fight too. It sounds more... Um, well, you, you go know. Kara to France. It kind of rolls... The, the A, you know what I mean? Um, sounds classier. Macy Barber's on that card. She was supposed to fight somebody. I forgot they got hurt. And Macy wants to fight Roxy. Um, get her. Again? She says... She, wants to, she lost mm. to her. And she says, I would like that fight again. Roxanne, I think they should do it. Why not? Who, who does that hurt? Yeah. Probably um, Roxanne's Rox, like biggest Roxanne's, Roxanne's going to take care of that other ACL. Um, yeah, watch out. Yeah, and uh, I don't know. You got to think, though. You got to think Leon Edwards probably deserved the title shot, but I think Covington and Usman is happening in three weeks, I think, at the beginning of November in New York. Um, Mike, you going to that? No. Okay, fair enough. Um, so it sounds like the winner. If Jorge Masvidal gets a third title shot, no, no, that's that's <laughs> another no. I mean, the sad thing is, like, if he beats Leon Edwards, <laughs> Leon Edwards is the number one contender. Yeah, um, Jorge, Jorge Masvidal is fighting in like two months, and he's out here feuding with Chris Jericho. Honestly, I was gonna ask AEW. you, do you think, do you think that just like torpedoed with that shit they were gonna do? Because it was very clear they were headed towards those two wrestling. And whatever full gear is, when's that? In a month? In a month, yeah. There's so, no, there's, there's no, no way he's wrestling like, on that. Yeah, he's not going to wrestle. So I don't know. Maybe Junior got to be real good. Junior Dos Santos better really. Folks who I don't know, Junior Dos Santos is going to wrestle on Wednesday. Um, and if oh, that'd be an interesting sight. Junior's pretty big. Him versus Jericho. Um, they really were setting up Jorge, honestly, Mark. I know you don't care about this, but they were really setting up Jorge for a match. And I don't think he can do that if he's going to fight in. Eight weeks. So, anyway. Seems win-win as far as I'm concerned. Um, yeah, you got to avoid that shit, huh? <laughs> I mean, just uh, how about the guy does what he's actually good at instead of placating and doing grab ass in the in the, in the ring? I wonder, if he was even, I wonder if he like could even do that contractually. But because he's, one, he's one of the few guys out there with a UFC contract. I mean, mm -hmm. Andre, Andre was on TV until a week ago, it looks like, and he's going to be fighting. At least fighting um, this weekend. We're going to talk about it. Yeah. Okay. Um, I thought there was some other MMA news um, that didn't involve people getting arrested. Shock. Oh, no. Never yeah, mind. Yeah. I, I, I mean, uh, I, no, 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 nothing like that. That sounds like some stuff happened. And there's a, there's a mental health situation if you're to believe what Chuck is saying. And it's interesting that Chuck, I feel, has gotten more of a benefit of the doubt than John Jones. And it's not that Chuck's hands were ever. I mean, Chuck one time passed out on live TV during an interview. Because everybody was pretty sure he was on drugs, but 
<laughs> John, uh, okay, but, but Bobby, someone passing out because, you know, they, they took a few too many drugs is a way different rap sheet than hit a pregnant woman, hit yeah. someone else. And went back like for the my other drugs. Like, yeah, went like, back to see if she was okay. Went back for my my uh my weed pipe because I need that for later. That's fair. We also have, by the way, um, uh, Ponzinibbio is also on that pay per view in December. Ponzinibbio was taking right. on Jeff Neal. That's a good fight too. UFC two sixty nine is gonna be a good time, folks. It's you know what? All these pay per views sound like a good time, Mark. Everything that's happening in between sounds like a fucking disaster, though. Um, yeah, just now, the just void. to make sure that pay-per-view is only going to have two title fights right because i have learned to dread pay-per-views yes. that have three title fights because mikey's not making it through that yeah two title fights no diaz brother third title fight and we all know i mean jorge masvidal is not the bmf champion anymore the bmf champion was we merged that with the welterweight championship um usman is the bmf champion too so Sure, why not? I mean, if he didn't get it the first time he beat Jorge, the second time he knocked Jorge's jaw into the seventh row. Yeah, that, that was that's, fantastic. That, sure, give him a bill for that. Well, it, it, be, I mean, you already got one. It could be like the FTW champion. You know what, honestly, Dana, just... White, Dana White said that uh, Usman's the pound-for-pound pound best fighter in the world right now, and I'm, I might agree with him. Even though pound-for-pound pound is, in general, stupid to me, Usman's on another level these days, it seems like. I mean, spoiler alert to what I'm picking when he fights Colby Covington. I think he's going to kill Colby Covington this time. Um, all right. Tyson Fury and uh, mm. Deontay Wilder. I'll be honest, going into this one, it's not that we're, we're not, you know, I'm not the biggest boxing fan. Not every, None of us are. But Dude, we didn't even fight. know it was happening. Um, we're like Friday, like, oh, is they, they find this weekend? We're like, oh, shit. And yeah, Tyson Fury is an interesting case because this dude, like, ballooned to, like, 400 pounds at one point. Didn't he or some shit, Mikey? He was all yeah, fucked he, up. After he after he won the title from one of the Klitschko's, um, he had reached the zenith of the sport, and then he proceeded to devolve into a dark depression where he ballooned up to over 400 pounds. He started abusing a lot of different substances and uh, drinking a lot. Yeah, he's really uh, turned his life around. Oh, just and the second fight was notable. I watched this. I I, I the first fight was a. Had some legendary shit where my man Tyson got wrecked and looked like he died, looked like he was unconscious and got up Undertaker style. Just got up. It was incredible. And it was a draw. If I'm not mistaken, Mike, did most people have that for Tyson or? Yes. Draw? Yeah. Okay. Second fight, Deontay Wilder came out and just Tyson was better on every level. Boxed him up, used his size, beat his ass everywhere. His corner threw into towel and then Deontay after the fight fired the cornerman who threw in the towel, made every excuse that you could possibly make, kind of made himself look like, kind of made himself look like a fucking idiot. Um, this for third fight kind of had, I think a, a judge kind of ordered it based on the, the contract yep. and it torpedoed the Anthony Joshua fight. Yep. And then Anthony Joshua lost, right? To somebody else. Then they truly torpedoed the Anthony Joshua fight because Anthony Joshua lost. That's yes. a torpedo, the Anthony yeah. Joshua fight. Um, uh, before that, all the judge had done was delay the Anthony Joshua yeah. fight. And um, so they booked this fight, and I'll be honest, Mike, I went into this thinking, okay, well, Deontay's going to get his ass whooped again. Um, what we got, Mark, was a goddamn instant classic. Uh, yep. For the people who didn't see it, you want to talk about just we got some heavyweight throwing bombs this past weekend, huh? Yeah, yeah. I, mean, I was. Oh, I'm sorry, Mike. You no, said go Mike. ahead, Mike. Yes. No, go well, ahead. Mike. Well, um, 
I mean, I, yeah, uh, it was, it was an instant classic. And for all the reasons that I mentioned a couple weeks ago, like what I like in a fight, like two guys trying to, to get it done, you know, this was, I would say not a very technical fight. Um, I would say Deontay Wilder is probably the least technical champion boxer I've ever seen in my entire life. Like this dude's fundamentals are messed up, but it really speaks volumes about how much fucking power this guy has. Cause he, he he's lacking so many things that you couldn't really get into the professional ring and still be successful, especially at his level um, with just, I mean, how he moves his feet, he's crossing his feet. He's constantly getting, um, you know, not in a side view, but like in a perpendicular view. So he's, he's constantly open for shots. He throws so hard. He gets off balance with his own punches. Like he does a lot of things that for other fighters would, would, tailgate them from being successful but dude hits so hard that he makes up for a lot of flaws that he has in his game um and tyson fury is a guy that i think has a lot of skills you know he's pretty nimble on his feet he moves his head really well he uses his, his jab and his hands really well um so it was fun in this fight the first round uh wilder kind of came out i mean I was mostly picking this off from the, the commentary. Like he came out with a strategy to attack the body because Fury does move his head very well. He rolls with punches very well. So attacking the body is a more stationary target. He's going to be more successful there. And he was, you know, he was able to push Tyson Fury against the ropes. He was able to dictate the pace a lot better in those first couple rounds. Once he got cracked in the third, Tyson knocked Wilder down. That strategy kind of went out the window, um, which, you know, is kind of unfortunate because, we were seeing a more technical fighter who potentially could have landed that big shot and won the fight. Nevertheless, in the fourth round, he did crack Fury. Uh, draw, and it was weird. I mean, that that knockdown was weird because he cracked him with a hard punch and Fury was kind of okay for a second and then fell over like uh, like five seconds later. Um, and then I think he even dropped him again with like a short uppercut. No, no, I'm sorry. It was a short little right hand behind the ear. Um, off the clinch. So, I mean, the pendulum swung drastically between rounds three, four, um, five, and six. And I think it was, was it the sixth or seventh round? Fury gets his own knockdown. And in these later rounds, it really became apparent that, you know, um, Wilder was gassing out a lot more quickly than Fury was. I think in the second round, a big strategy was Tyson using his his heavier weight to kind of get into clinches, lean on Wilder, let him kind of wear himself out. Um, and that seemed to be a, a strategy here, but you have to give a lot of credit to Wilder because even though he looked exhausted, it looked like in a lot of these later rounds, like a strong Gus was going to blow this guy over, but he, he stayed in the fight. He took hard shots. Um, there was no given this man until Tyson, you know, knocked it out of him. I think midway in the 11th round, um, clearly knocked him out. The ref st stopped the fight. And I think even before then, he might have gotten a knockdown too, where it was like, it would have been okay to stop it there, but he gave Wilder the benefit of the doubt. Um, yeah, and easily became, you know, a a heavyweight title fight classic um, and something I, I think the sport really does need. I mean, it, it's good to have a trilogy. It's good to have like these storylines, but it makes it even better when the fight is really captivating. And when you can kind of, warrant the price tag of these cards you know i don't know how much the the pay-per-view cost on paper it's probably like 60 bucks i think it was 80 bucks it might be 79.99 i think good god i mean that's i mean look i mean this, is, this isn't the pandemic anymore though at least we're like people can get together like if we wanted to we could have all gone together and spent like Sure. Bucks, you know. I'm just saying, like, you know, it, it, it's been interesting to see. And you know, as a podcast that does not cover boxing, you know, besides these really weird, um, you know, crossover promotion fights with Jake Paul or what have you, um, or my guy, um, Inoa, who I, I keep an eye on, you know, um, 
we don't really keep a pulse on uh, what's going on in the professional aspect, but it's been interesting to see boxing get kind of popular again, kind of get more of the headlines than it has in the past. So, you know, good on Dude, them. Combat you know, sports is sport. fucking killing it. Combat sports in general. UFC's killing it. Boxing's printing money. We have a, and like the quality of the fighters, it doesn't get worse, honestly. It's athletics. But Mark, everybody just right now, Fight sports are doing real well. Sure, yeah. It's, I mean, know, fake, fight sports, fake fight sports are doing real well. It's all doing. It's all going great. Um, but oh, damn it! Sorry, guys. One moment. You guys didn't hear it, but people listening to the podcast are gonna enjoy about eight seconds of nonsense that came through my headphones. Um, Mike, I was gonna you know say, at least it wasn't X-rated nonsense, right, Bobby? What other right. tabs you got opened up over yeah, there? Uh, ESPN. So okay. Okay. Disney okay. hopefully better not sue us for the four seconds of somebody running in a touchdown in this Colts game. Um, Mike, so did, did I saw Wilder. I mean, I guess uh, Tyson tried to talk to Deontay afterwards, right after, and like try to give him respect. And I guess Deontay wasn't really up for it. I'm going to oh. I'm going to give him a little bit of a pass because in the, he just got knocked out. And also in the heat of the moment, yada, yada, yada. Has there been anything since then? Have you kept I mean, have you heard anything about like. Deontay making some more bullshit excuses? I haven't heard Deontay make any excuses. I did watch some video of uh, Fury talking about it um, in the dressing rooms where he called Wilder a coward and a shithouse. I don't know exactly what a shithouse is, but it doesn't sound great. But no, I haven't heard Wilder come up with any excuses at all this time. Um, I mean, what else could he say at this point? Um, if, if, he you, can't wait, say if, that, start, if you start Googling Wilder excuses, the first thing that comes up is Wilder excuses list. It is truly a list that he had for that second fight, but um, I haven't heard anything at all or read anything. Okay, I think I might see. Here we go. Deontay Wilder actually put out a comment out. Let's see. Duh, 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 duh. You ever see those articles that, like, stretch some bullshit out of a fucking one-sentence thing? Uh, I'm not sure what happened. I know that in training he did certain things. I also know he didn't come in at 277 to be a ballet dancer. Rough me up, blah, 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 blah. Um, I wasn't – my best wasn't good enough. Okay. Yeah. True. Uh, Broke my hand, broke my – broke a lip. He says he's okay. Um, So, I don't know. I mean, it's hard to – I mean, what did they give us? 33 rounds? That was a lot of rounds. That's a lot. You know, everybody put your shit aside. What what does calling him the big dosser mean? Did I just offend a bunch of people? What the fuck's a dosser? I don't know, but it sounds so British, and I Mm -hmm. love it. I'm going to Google big dosser meaning. I'm pretty sure you just British informal offer disparaging. A homeless person. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) And he's called the gypsy, right? All right. I mean, talk about the pot and the kettle, right? I don't know. That's what I'm saying. He called him a I just like the way Fury talks. His accent entertains me. I'm sorry. He's a big dos. Yeah, I don't know who's next for him. Doesn't he have all the belts except for the one that Anthony Joshua lost to that other dude? Uh, no, he yeah. just has the WBC, no? And, and the lineal for whatever the hell He has is. the lineal. He has the ring. 
And yeah, uh, that one doesn't count. Honestly, I think the ring is the only one that should count. It, it's the it's the <laughs> alphabet soups, man. It's the WBA, WBC, and the IBF. I recognize the ring one more than anybody else. I think the ring is the thing everybody yeah. uh, respects. If Fury does fight the guy that um, beat Anthony Joshua, in, well, I think they're in... doing a rematch. I think it got exercised immediately. Okay, I, I, I think you're right. Um, but that guy, it would be interesting because the guy that beat Anthony actually came up from like cruiserweight. So he's like really small. So if he had to fight Tyson Fury, like the size difference oh would be God. massive. Oh. Um, but I don't know the guy's name, but I have, I watched a breakdown of his fight and like he's a super technical, really good boxer. So like it's not out of the realm of possibility. I don't think him beating Anthony Joshua is like a fluke. I think this guy is really good and is legit. Um, so I don't think it'd be crazy if he so, beat Joshua and he but, had to fight Fury, and that would be kind of. But here's the thing. Here's the thing. Uh, Tyson Fury is also a very technical boxer. He is. And yeah. he he weighs what is it? Sixteen stone, which I learned. Two seventy seven, which is like, what, this gentleman who I'm I'm gonna, I'm gonna butcher his name, but uh, Alexander Usyk. Mm-hmm. He's got yeah. gold medals. Uh, got he's an Olympic gold medalist at heavyweight. Got world, got European championships at light heavyweight and heavyweight. Ukrainian, which actually, um, this, I mean, the heavyweight division was dominated by the Klitschko brothers for, was it 10 mm-hmm. years? And a lot of people blame them for what they thought was the death of heavyweight boxing because God bless them. Those were some right. boring ass fights. Um, but when you're better, you're better. What are you going to do? Um, he has the WBA, IBF, WBO, and what? WBA Super, IBF, WBO, and IBO heavyweight championships. So many, so many letters. I'm just telling you, man. Let's just go with the ring one. What does Tyson Fury have? Tyson Fury WBA, got... WBA, ring, and the lineal championship. I didn't say WBA a minute ago. No, this is no, w- WBC. This is Sorry. WBC, WBC and the ring. They should probably have these guys fight. And I forgot the lineal championship. Um, I don't exactly know what the lineal championship is, but people keep talking about it. Oh, lineal championship is putting aside contractual issues yada 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 you kind of just follow who beat the last guy who had the championship essentially which, which championship the There's original like heavyweight championship like like, like when, when oh. there was one muhammad ali was the heavyweight champion and i think there was only one heavyweight champion maybe back then that championship basically so here's a question what if tyson fury were to retire right now I don't exactly know what happens exactly with the retirement. Yeah, I think like, at that point they go vacant, yeah, right? and then they'd make a match, and someone would get the belts. Yeah, Tyson. No, no, became... no. But like, not not so much about the ring and the WBA, but this magical lineal championship. What so happens I think to that? what happened because I think Tyson took the lineal one off of Vladimir Klitschko, but I think he also he stopped fighting. Right? Yeah, and he, I, did, and, he did so, stop fighting. So then Deontay ended the up... Champion. So he wasn't. Deontay became the lineal champion. No, if you if you saw no, the I'm graphic about... from the fight, it said he's been the lineal champion since 2015. Mm, okay. So maybe they he was interim. I don't know. Honestly, this is... It's a bullshit, this, non-nonsensical yeah. thing. We this don't is, like, like, this is like fucking, you know... This is like my theory that fucking Johnny Hendra, that the, 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 the last welterweight champion was GSP. All right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's what I'm going with. GSP never lost that shit. <laughs> GSP came back and still is the welterweight champion. Okay. Um, let's make some picks. And then we can uh, talk about some nonsense. Yes. Um, this weekend, we got ourselves a fight at the Apex. Aspen Ladd um, versus Norma Dumont. 
Um, this was supposed to be Holly Holm. I feel Holly Holm gets pulled out of fights often. I'm not trying to be disparaging. I'm just thinking about what's happened. Um, Norma Dumont has got... Uh, she's 6-1 and one overall. Um, no knockouts. Two submissions, four decisions. Last win, a split over Felicia Spencer. Also got wins over Ashley Evans-Smith. Uh, and uh, Marina Moraes, uh, she's fought at featherweight and uh, bantamweight, 5'7". Um, Aspen Ladd offended every part of Misha Tate's being, apparently, in her last attempt to make weight. That was real weird. Still, Misha Tate getting all angry about that. Um, it was a couple weeks ago. Uh, we're doing this. Is this a featherweight fight? Yeah? It is, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Betting line for this one, um, FanDuel has Aspen as minus 144, Norma plus 118. I'm not going to lie and act like I know more about Norma Dumont than I do. That I, do. I don't know a lot. Aspen Lad looked like shit on the scale, but I've kind of just been on the Aspen Lad train, picking her in fights for a while now. She's got to get this weight situation under control, though. Like, she's got to get her shit together. Um, but she still has a great Instagram page full of pictures of her great dogs. So I'm going to take Aspen Lad, just uh, riding the ship after... You know, a quick turnaround. Not confident on any level. Mark? <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, it's a tough fight to kind of pick. Um, I'm I, just looking at records. I was leaning Aspen Lad just because she tends to finish a lot of her fights with strikes. The only time Norma lost was against um, Durandamine, I think, by knockout. I just saw it. Why can't I remember? No, it was Megan Anderson, yeah. another person that hits. Um, so I've got to think, like, oh, well, striker. Maybe I mean, she it, Norma has done well against grapplers. Like, she beat uh, Felicia Spencer and uh, Ashley Evan Smith, yeah, like Durand you mentioned. Durandamy is the one who knocked out Aspen. Yeah, yeah, that's where I got uh, across. <laughs> but um, I'm going to go with Norma just to make it interesting. Yeah, I don't have a lot of analysis here. <laughs> maybe, maybe, I mean, Aspen Lad shouldn't have much trouble on the scale. Um, and I think the pounds. same thing happened with Norma you know, when, when she fought... Um, uh, Evan Smith, uh, it was also it was supposed to be at 135, and she couldn't make weight. So these are both two girls that kind of probably need to be at featherweight. Um, so yeah, I'm gonna go with Norma. No big analysis on it, but you know, just kind of hedging my backs from last week. We all picked Dern. We all fucked it. This is this is where I, I I split from the pack and take the lead, Mike. What do you think? Well, you won't take the lead. You'll tie the lead. So let's relax there. Um, but I'm gonna go with Aspen Lab. Okay. Um, also on this card, uh, Andre Olofsky taking time away from showing up on AEW and sitting there while Aspen Ladd berates us all for watching AEW. Not Aspen Ladd, Dan Lambert. Wait, what? That was really oh, weird. Okay. Dan Lambert, sorry. Um, Andre Olofsky is on this card. He is taking on somebody who I was not totally familiar with when I saw the name, if I'm not, if I'm, uh, not, if I'm being honest with you guys, um, Carlos Felipe. Um, Jim Miller, man. I love Jim Miller. Jim Miller's got like 40 UFC fights. He's still doing it. God bless him. And I, my thing is, I think the number one thing to come out of this weekend is if Julian Marquez gets a win, he's going to say some more weird shit on the microphone. Remember when this guy, he had Miley Cyrus and he fucking oh. boofed it when he boofed it. <laughs> Just, <laughs> he in had fairness, it under control. In, in fairness to him, he would have boofed it in private. I mean, at least get there. Like, at least get there. Good lord, you dumbass. Um, Sajara Eubanks. Um, She's still he, in the UFC. Huh. Yeah, apparently um, her girlfriend talking about how much Sajara beats her ass. 
um, domestic violence. I mean, there was a time where Data White said that uh, you don't come back from domestic violence, and we don't like that. And well, we 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 employ Greg Hardy now, so at this point, it is what it is. Um, over on the other channel is the cha is the fight is the fight card you should be watching, folks. Um, Bellator continues their you their light heavyweight Grand Prix, and um, Mark, we were talking about this earlier. If Rumble didn't get hurt, this I mean, this card would have been a just straight banger. Um, we were going to be headlining with Nemkov versus Rumble. Instead, we got Julius Anglicus taking on Nemkov. Um, Co-main event, we got Corey Anderson and Ryan Bader, the other He's side of that bracket. Um, and also on this card, we got Benson Henderson versus Brett Primus, Brett Primus in a pick'em fight. We got Henry Corrales, which I don't think he was champion, but I feel he's definitely fought in title fights before. So this is a pretty good card for Bellator, man. This is one of those ones where they're really, you know, I think it's going to get a lot of attention. I think you're going to see Luke Thomas out there. You're going to see Ariel out there because this UFC card's trash. Um, betting line for Julius Anglicus is only, he's only a plus 200 underdog. Um, <laughs> I was a little surprised considering Nem yeah, Nemkov has been fucking people up. Um, we are all firmly on the Vadim Nemkov train. Um, Julius is from Lithuania, 10 and 1. His only loss was his second career loss. Um, He's got three knockouts, four submissions, three decisions. Um, fighting out of St. Charles MMA. Not familiar with that team. Nemkov um, in this tournament. Um, who did he beat last round? Was it uh, Phil Davis, if I'm not mistaken? Mm, I was just looking at it, too. I think it was Phil Davis, because I think it wasn't pretty. Yeah, he beat Phil right, Davis. It was. Yep, yep. Good call. His second win over Phil Davis. Phil Davis is hard to look good against. Um, and we've all pretty much just firmly on the Nemkov is Fedor's protege, protege train. Um, his losses are in Ryzen to Yuri Prochaska and uh, Carl Albertson. Um, anyway, betting line, he's a minus 260 favorite. Uh, Julius is plus 200. I can't in good conscience pick against him, though I'm honestly surprised about the closeness of the line, Mark. <laughs> so no, I got, yeah, I I got Nemkov. So. Yeah, me too, and that that is surprising. Like you know, the book must know more about him than we do because this this seems like a wash kind of fight. You know, and, and look, he, he's the champion, um, retaining his belt. So like, if anyone's going to get kind of like a buy, I kind of figure you know it should be the champion. He is you know defending his belt every time he fights in this tournament. So if anyone's going to get you know an easier fight, it might as well be the guy that kind of earned it the most. But yeah, there's only one betting line too, though. Normally you see more. This Mr. one's coming maybe, from maybe Bet Online. Get some, you know, some money on it. You know, make it interesting or something. You kind of feel a belt or feel a belt or sometimes you don't get as much attention to this stuff um, early in the fight week. Sure, Mike, who do you got? Yeah, this is going to be a simple one for me. It's uh, Nemkov. What I'm dub, who I'm dubbing as the next emperor. The next emperor. Yes. Is he going to be the lineal emperor, or does he have to beat Fedor for that? Huh? <laughs> so I'm reading on the lineal boxing champion that can be vacated if the person formally retires or vacates his weight class. I think Tyson retired and came out of retirement is what happened. Right. I think that's so what people are saying. Did he, like, get it back? Well, that's what they were saying on Wikipedia, that he got it back from Deontay in the first fight. Or second fight, not first fight. Second fight. Or maybe because they drew the first fight, it was held up. Maybe that's why. Maybe Deontay never held it, and it was more like vacated because it was a draw. I don't know. Um, Co-main event. This one's surprising. 
Corey Anderson, Ryan Bader. Corey Anderson's the favorite. Corey Anderson is a minus 170 favorite. To Ryan Bader's plus 140. Um, Ryan Bader, I think he's coming off that win over Leona Machida, where I made all the jokes about him jumping into another punch. Um, didn't do that. Um, on the other side of it, Corey Anderson been getting those kid, the kid gloves in Bellator. They gave him Melvin Manhoff in his first fight. Second fight, he took on Davechkin, like Yag Shamuradov, beat him in the third round. Um, betting odds: Corey minus one seventy to Brian Bader's plus one forty. I'm gonna pick Ryan Bader because short of Corey just out grinding him, this is a three round fight, right? By the way, it is. It has. Yeah, to I would be. assume. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, because the other one isn't. The other one's a title fight. Um, well, it's a title fight. That's why. Yeah. Well, they also changed you, now that um, all their main events of starting New Year are going to be. Yeah. Not that this is the main event. I think all the exactly. tournament fights should be five rounds. By the way, if they're going to do this, but um, if the champion has to defend his fucking belt, they should also fight. That's what five I think. Rounds. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm going to take Ryan Bader because I don't think Corey Anderson's a better grappler than him, and I don't think he's a better striker than him. And Corey Anderson is a really like that nickname of like overtime or whatever the fuck the stupid ass nickname is. Um, that's true to his fighting style. He's going to outwork you is his plan. I don't know if that's going to work, to be honest. I'm surprised about this betting line too, Mark. I'm, I'm taking Ryan Bader. Mm-hmm. How about you? <sighs> yeah, I mean, I, I do think this this fight is much tougher to call. Um, both guys kind of have similar styles. Uh, and, yeah, you can look at Corey and like, oh, yeah, I mean, we, we were all on, you know, Ryan Bader had a ton of momentum, you know, and he was light and heavyweight champion defending both belts. You know, he kind of seemed unstoppable, unstoppable, unstoppable in Bellator. Um, I am going to go with Bader too. I kind of want to pick Corey just to make it interesting. Um, Even when you say like his hands aren't that better, like he he knocked out Johnny Walker, like on the feet, right? I think. I don't think that was Yeah, but Ryan Bader won that whole heavyweight tournament without taking a punch. Like, that's true. That's true. But those heavyweights are, you know, he's he's a man in shape. He really took away right. he took away a lot of uh, guys that weren't, you know, maybe in the prime of their careers. Um, I'm gonna go with Bader. I do think it's a tough fight. I'm not gonna be surprised if Corey is able to, you know, outwork him, out hustle him, or, or land a good shot and kind of change the momentum of the fight. Um, I was surprised on the line though, too, Bob. I thought with everything Bader has accomplished in Bellator, he I would thought get basically a the floor. I yeah. thought basically mm-hmm. Bader is like a minus 170 or so favorite, basically. Yeah, but um, you know, I'll take Bader with you. Um, we'll see how, how that work, turns out on Saturday. But Mike, what about you? Are you going to join us on Team Bader here, or are you going to go with Beeston? Is this where you're going to make your move? I'm still trying to do some more research on how you become a lineal champion because <laughs> I'm seeing there's actually a lot of vacant championships in the lower weight classes so hopefully by the end of this episode i can give you guys some more information on that um but i'm going with Bader. all right um we're not going to pick this fight but benson henderson's on this card against ben primus i think that just sounds like a good fight mark like that just sounds like a they're both that's a pick em fight it's i don't know what i mean bendo at this point we don't know he's been doing this a long time you know he's had a rocky road in bellator he, too but he's been complaining Mm-hmm. He's been complaining that uh, you know he's not talked about in the light heavyweight in the in the lightweight picture. But I'm like, my guy, win some fights. You're on you're on a two fight losing streak. I love Bendo. Yeah, like I, but we're we're all big Bendo fans here. Like he's you know great walkout song, all that jazz. And um, I'm not sure this fight where his wife is make where his wife is making her pro debut earlier in the card. Um, I don't think you should do that. 
I don't think you should fight on the same card as your wife. Like, I always, like, there's a reason Nick and Nate were never on the fight, same fight card. You know what I mean? Like, if you're with your family, I always thought that was kind of cool. I always think that you're going to be so emotionally invested. I don't know. That just seems like a questionable move. I'm not a fighter. But I saw Maria Henderson, and I'm like, is that his wife? Turns out his wife. So... <laughs> Got to make that a second source of income, right, though? You got to get that guess, second paycheck yeah. from the the, ben, the the Henderson household is going to take a large check from this uh, Bellator card. Um, Maria Mouse Henderson fighting at 115 pounds, 1-0 as an amateur. So, and, so far, know, so good. Bellator tries to get the family deal, you know. Mm-hmm. Is Gilbert in Bellator? Does Gilbert have, does Gilbert, does Gilbert have a job? Honest question. When was the last time Gilbert fought anybody? Did he retire? Yeah, I thought he. Re I thought he retired or something. I'm not sure. Uh, he was released in 2019. Yeah, I mean he hasn't fought. So, God, Gilbert went out in the UFC five straight losses. Whew. Yeah, it was rough. Shout out to him getting that big choke. Those big checks, though. Good man. Good man. Um. All right. Um. Stuff we like. Let's go. Uh, Let's get into it first. Um, oh, Rockhold's fight is out. Rockhold's no longer fighting Sean Strickland. Oh, Breaking shucks. News. That actually sounded fun. He has, oh, that well. sounded good, too. He got her herniated disc in his back. Rockhold yeah, gets boy. hurt a lot. That's, yeah, he does. Uh, That's what happens in your 30s. Uh, so just very quickly, uh, the lineal champion Jesus isn't really... Christ. It's not really it's not really an official thing. Come on, you know you want some closure on this. It's not really an official thing. It's something that fans and you know boxing writers kind of just talk about and annoying so it's a very subjective thing from the looks of this i'm well, surprised yeah. you didn't know that because bobby used I'm, to talk about the lineal champions all the fucking time and it's like who cares no one cares God, I, was, I, said, I, used, I used to be able to know all the champions of like the entire history i was lost at one point by the way if you guys didn't see it melvin gallard's face got ruined this past weekend i forgot to bring it up in that bare knuckle fight yeah, the uh, diesel got him good. Joe Diesel Riggs hit him with a straight. Uh, it was like a left cross there. Um, mm -hmm. Busted his left orbital, and he had to. He had five orbital fractures, and shit inflated like a balloon. So yeah, um, he's going through it. By the way, now that we're by the way, now that since we talked about it, Moreno and Figueroa, we got a little bit more time to that title fight. Is there time to maybe we have time to rethink this and give somebody else a title shot? No, no. <laughs> What's Mighty Mouse? Mighty Mouse is out doing a mixed rules fight. Bring Mighty Mouse back. Huh? They can't. They lost him in the trade, Bob. That's true. Yeah. <laughs> that, I'm, I mean, yeah, I guess so. You got to give one Askren back. Fair enough. All right, stuff we like. Um, Marcus, why don't you lead it off? Yeah, I got quite a bit. Um, outside of uh, Ted Lasso, which we're going to kind of cap the show off, um, a lot of things kind of uh, ended this week. Um, uh, what if? Ended. I don't, I don't. I don't think you guys caught all of it. I don't know if Mike's been watching it. Um, I have. Okay. I, I've been a big fan. Um, I've been talking uh, about it with Steph. Uh, you know, our former co-host. Um, I know he wasn't super hot on the show itself. Um, and I get like some of the things he was. You know, he didn't appreciate so much. Like everything does take place in the MCU. It's you know, you're not going to see any heroes or characters that haven't already been introduced in in those movies. Um, that all being said, I really enjoyed the show um it was one of the shows when they announced their you know lineup of stuff coming out that i was most excited for um not even just because the the premise of what if which is basically you know just the premise is basically these different storylines what if a small thing changed and 
you know, a different character was Captain America or Star Lord or what if all the Avengers got killed or Marvel zombies. Um, they took a lot of stuff from comics, which was cool. Uh, and honestly, just the premise alone, I think, is intriguing. I was also really intrigued with this is going to be kind of their first animated show. Um, you know, me and Bob have watched some of Marvel's animated shows, uh, Avengers, Mightiest Heroes, Avengers Assemble, Ultimate Spider-Man. Um, so I've been a fan of, you know, what they've done, the animated side. And obviously that stuff was more rooted in the comics than it was in the MCU. But this was going to be, um, you know, MCU based. But it was I was just interested to see, like, how is this show going to look and feel um, and it's not hand-drawn animation is 3d models, which I've, you know, kind of taken over the animation slate, but I really enjoyed it. You know, I do think the animation style is a little weird. I think it excels in action scenes. I think a lot of the action in the series was top notch was so good. I mean, in the first episode, which was basically, um, what if, uh, Peggy Carter became captain America and they basically just regurgitated, um, uh, Captain America's first movie. That episode was particularly weak because it wasn't all that different than the movie. And they kind of just cut the movie from, you know, like 90 minutes to 30 minutes, which just made that thing move like a mile a minute. Um, but the action scenes in there were fucking awesome. Um, and that continued throughout the rest of the series. Um, and I, I guess what I'd be a little critical of is I'm not super surprised at the end. They kind of melded all the stories into one. Um, I don't think the series for me personally really needed to do that. This could have just been an anthology thing where it's just like, yeah, we're going to tell you weird stories each week. Um, and maybe at the end, they don't all come together. It doesn't, it wouldn't have really impacted me all that much. Um, and another thing that I think a lot of people liked, and I think they did a decent job, but I don't think was super necessary for me was getting a lot of the MCU actors to reprise their roles, um, in the voiceovers. Like, I think that's cool. Um, but I would, it's like a, a financial angle i'd be like you could have just gotten a a, v, a voice actor to do it and i personally i would have been just fine you know i do think it's cool i made the episodes kind of fun when you're looking at the opening sequence and it's telling you who's in the episodes you're like oh hawkeye's in this episode and this character and and george and pierre's in this episode didn't expect that because i mean obviously they didn't need gsp to do his voiceover um they could have just gotten anybody it would have been totally fine um but overall i really enjoyed that series it's going to get a second season um i know some people kind of i, I think overall there, there are things that you can criticize and i think they could have done certain episodes better i think the episodes being longer would have benefited i think a lot of the episodes just move so fast it's kind of just like boom 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 you don't really get to sit on a lot of scenes or really develop things super well but i really enjoyed it i had a, a blast it, it, i know a lot of people were like oh you know it's just a show like i'll watch it i'm not excited i was excited for it each week i was excited to see what they were going to do how they were going to change things up um and i know season two they're going to deal with more of the current um phase of the mcu so i think that's going to be exciting too um yes yeah, yeah, so i, I only, really enjoyed that mm -hmm. i think i Please. only saw the first two or three and it wasn't mm -hmm. i didn't enjoy it i just kind of realized this didn't need to be appointment viewing for me and that i knew i would catch up with it you know it was one of those it didn't feel as urgent as the other ones. I don't know. Sure. And I think maybe, a lot of maybe because Stefan's not around and Stefan's not wasn't pushing it either. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't think that's particularly unique, Bob. I think I've heard that on the internet a lot, and I, it's just for me, it's like I'm not on that at all. Like every Wednesday, I was like, "Fuck yeah, I can't wait to watch," you know. And even though I knew what the premise was, I was like, "I'm just excited to see what they do and have fun with this." Um, and I think my favorite episode was the second to last one where they kind of broke down some of the barriers and had fucking some kooky ass fight scenes. Um, yeah, so I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. I'm super looking forward to season two and what they do there. Um, 
I'm interested to see if they're going to take any of these concepts into the multiverse of madness. Um, Cause we know we're going there with Dr. Strange. Dr. Strange had probably the strongest episode in the series. So yeah, I thoroughly enjoyed it. I'm super excited to see more. Um, another show that uh, I caught that's fairly new on Netflix is uh, midnight mass. Now this is from the same guy that did the house on haunting Hill and Bly Manor. So these are kind of like spooky kind of shows. I really liked midnight mass. Um, and from the title, you know, I personally wasn't, I'm not a very religious person. So doing with mass and potentially having a show, you know, about religion was not super intriguing to me. Um, but it, it, it really goes places. I didn't see it going at first. You know, it kind of seems like it's going to be kind of like a spooky kind of mystery thing. Um, and it takes wild swings <laughs> and the show gets pretty fucking weird. Um, and I really appreciated it. What I would say about just the writing and directoral style that I, can't, I think his name is Mike Flanagan, who did those other shows. Like, um, I think he writes these two. Dude fucking loves monologues. He loves when there's a conversation. One character is like, nah, 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 nah. Give me five minutes here. I'm going to spin a tale for you. Because, I mean, like, there's probably, like, three monologues in each episode. And they're good. And I like the monologues in uh, The House on Haunting Hill. I-, I think that's what the name of that show was. I'm honestly not even sure. I know it was weird. Because um, they have good actors. It- it's good writing. But it's just, it is just weird. It's like, I don't... It's one of those things. I can't remember what congressperson said it, Bob. It was like, I don't know what pornogra- like what porn is, but I know when I see it. I don't know what dictates a monologue. I don't know how long one character has to keep saying lines for it to officially be a monologue. But like, these are fucking monologues. Like, this is like, this character is going off to say some shit for about five minutes. And a couple times when I was getting a little tired, I kind of closed my eyes and be like, okay, they can they can spend their their web of of narrative here. And I'm just going to take a little doze here and I'll come back in when I know the, the plot's going to be moving again. But it, it was really good. It was super enjoyable. I do definitely recommend checking it out, especially if you're, you know, it's October, you're looking for something kind of spooky. Um, I definitely recommend it. Um, last but not least. Hashtag uh, PS5 life, Mark. Come on. Hashtag yeah, PS5 that's, life. That's what I'm getting to. Uh, <laughs> so I did. Uh, I was able to actually get my PS5. I was supposed to get it last Thursday. They got it early. So I picked it up on Tuesday. So I've been playing Ratchet and Clank, Returnal, Alan Wake, and then Kenya, Bridge of Spirits, along with a little Avengers. Um, oh, and- we can talk about Ratchet and Clank now. I, I, I've had this game for two months. What do you think, yeah, bro? I mean, it's, we it's fun. haven't beaten it. I know you haven't played that much. I haven't played it in three fucking weeks, at least. Yeah. So. But um, yeah, as a game that when it came out, I watched other people play it. So I didn't think starting it myself, I'd be super captivated because it's stuff I've already seen. Um, And usually when I play, like I, I'll play a game for like an hour or so. And it's like, okay, I'm gonna take a break. Um, you know, mostly because I am sharing the TV with my wife and I don't want to just hog it and stuff. But yeah, when I got into Ratchet and Clank, like I had like a two and a half session where it just kind of just like it it got me in its loop, you know. Um, yeah, me too. When I first started playing it, I played for like a good three, four hours the first time just because I was like, OK, I'm into this. Yeah, Let's you, go. you get into an area that I mean, the story is not really the driving point, but it's just like, oh, here's this map. Here's these little things I want to collect. Let me see if I can figure this out. I love the combat. Um, I mean, overall with the PS5, I mean. I think a lot of its strongest features is stuff that kind of goes on in the background that you don't really notice. Um, obviously, the SSD, everything's loading really quick, navigating the UI super quick. Um, it's just a very, I mean, I, I think at this point, it just feels modern, you know, going back to Dude, the Dude, that PS4. controller is cool as shit. Honestly, the controller is awesome. Controller. You know, and I did mention it when I got to play the PS5 at Steph's. Like, it just, it has a good weight to it. Just holding it in your hands is like, this feels good. This is, mm. it's a little heavier than the PS4. 
the buttons and everything just feel a little sharper. Obviously, the stuff it's doing with the um, vibration is really cool. The haptic triggers are, for some games, it does take a little getting used to. Returnal uses the haptic trigger triggers for aiming, where you do like half the trigger to kind of do like a fine aim. If you pull it all the way down, you do like a special kind of move. And it takes a little bit getting used to to that stuff. But like all the games I played, everything just feels smoother and snappier than it did on the PS4. Like, I, I mean, I think it has to do with you know, the hard drive and the graphics card. Like, things are running at 60 frames instead of 30. Um, you know, navigating different games, jumping in different games is super quick because of the SSD. It's, it, I think a lot of stuff that it excels at the most are the things that kind of go unnoticed. But that's, those are also, like, the most important things, too. I, it, it's going to be really interesting in the next, like, 10 years or so where loading is not even a thing anymore. Um, and it hasn't been, like, a super big detractor in games. Um, even in, like, the towards the P end of the PS3, 360, you know, a lot of developers were finding ways around getting around loading where it's like, okay, you're never going to be in a loading screen this game. You might be in a part where your character is going to stop running and they're going to start walking and having a little dialogue thing going on because we're, we're hiding a load screen or whatever, but going in the future with SSD hard drives, we don't really have to do that. Developers don't have to work around it. So it's going to be a thing just like blowing in a cartridge. Like, yeah, I remember back in the PS1 days, you know, you put the disc in and it fucking loads and I'm playing Resident Evil. I open a door and there's a little door animation. It takes 10 seconds because that's a load in each fucking room. 10, 10 seconds. I mean, it, man, it that, PlayStation, that PlayStation loading time I remember back in the day was insanely long. Yeah, you play some game. games. It's like a couple minutes to, to get into a game or something. And and that's quickly becoming a thing of the past. And I think that the PS5 is, you know, obviously the strongest indicator of that, um, which is how quick it is able to just load games. And, and a, playing a game like Avengers where I was playing it on PS4 and now I'm playing the PS5 version. It's funny, um, when you load into the Avengers, they have kind of this cinematic loading screen where it's all the Avengers and like this slow-mo, like Captain America's getting his shield back, or Thor, he's recalling the hammer, or the Hulk's doing a big scream. You don't see those at all on PS5, because you load the game and you're instantly in, and it's like, that's cool, I kind of like seeing those, it's cool, I'm instantly in, but like, they don't need to do that anymore, and even when you're going on a mission... They'll have a little dialogue back and forth, like, oh, you're going to this aim base, you're going to do yada, yada, yada. And then halfway through that, it's like, do you want to skip this? Because you don't have to watch this anymore because we're done loading. In the PS4, that was not. And you had to wait for that shit to end. And then you'd look at your character sitting in the Quinjet for about another 40 seconds. And you load into the into the map. So, yeah, it's, it's, it's a big um, quality of life adjustment, which has been great. Um, and then, obviously, I think the visuals have constantly gotten better with each console console generation, but especially with the PS3 to 4, that jump was a lot smaller. Um, and then PS4 to 5, you know, I've noticed a big jump because I also jumped from you know 1080p to uh, 4K HDR. And, and more so than just like the quality of graphics, I'm noticing like lighting effects are a lot cooler and more dynamic with the HDR stuff. Um, just look and colors just seem to pop a little bit more. They're just small things, um, but they add overall to make the games more enjoyable so yeah i know um bob we both got back for blood so we're gonna try that out that'll be the first time doing like a multiplayer Mike, game on the ps5 blood i thought that came out like next week it, it comes, comes out, out in in an hour yeah. and 10 minutes my hour and 10 minutes we technically could play it but 
nine o'clock's a little late for me and midnight first for mike's probably too late but yeah we'll try that out and we'll talk about it next week but yeah i've been super yeah you guys fast forward to about an hour and a half from now when i'm trying to upload the podcast and it's just going slow as shit and i'm like what the fuck's going on my playstation's out there working overtime on this giant game probably no you should you should have uh when i pre-ordered it like it's already loaded it's just it's just waiting for the nine o'clock thing so oh it's, it's already in there now if you you can set settings to auto download um, okay. So it should it should be fine. It should just be waiting for the. Man, time I almost record. got burned on that auto download thing when I bought the wrong MLB to oh, show. Well, you got to be careful. <laughs> They're like, oh, you played this game. I'm like, I downloaded four seconds of a like a 30 gigabyte game. What do you nah, mean nah, I played nah. it? You played you played four <laughs> seconds, Bobby. You keep it now. <laughs> no return. Yeah, I'm like, what do you want me to do? Um, we're an hour and like eight minutes in. Mike, you want you got anything before we get into Ted Lasso? Because I got I'm, I'm just saving everything else I got. <laughs> an hour and eight minutes in, so this is about to be an hour and forty five minute episode because <laughs> I don't know, I, God knows how much Ted Lasso we're gonna talk about. Yeah, I don't got anything else this week to be honest. That's what I was I I was so excited for that. But if you have anything else before we get into it, uh, the stuff I, I this isn't a stuff we like this week, but I think at this point I've probably mentioned this a few times. On the uh, first or second Monday of October, whenever the fuck this holiday falls. But again, fuck Christopher Columbus. Um, my 23andMe says I am 40% Spanish. And that is because Christopher Columbus and his merry band of thugs were the first pioneers to come to the New World, a.k.a. the Caribbean, rape, pillage, and just destroy um the people that live there so fuck christopher columbus and happy indigenous people's day yeah yeah um real quick i just have two quick hitters one i'm gonna need mark and mike to become aware of who tony d'angelo is on nxt um mark this guy's running a straight italian mobster from new jersey gimmick (laughs) <laughs> like straight like he's three seconds from saying gabagool like yeah, we, we got like basically a no way jose situation here where it is so offensive almost that like he is he was insanely over when this is over i'll send you guys the entrance you guys google tony d'angelo entrance it's mike have you seen this no but you, you gotta got, look at the you, you, got, you go back and look at the vignettes where he's just like i'm in waste management and it's just like <laughs> it's absurd and um, this past week was the return of the anxious millennial cowboy himself. Somehow, still the most over baby face in AEW. Goddamn Hangman Page. Really excited to watch his ascent. All right. Ted Lasso. Folks, we're going to spoil the fuck out of this finale. All right? So what's going to happen. Um, if you haven't watched it, come on, guys. Get it together. And it's not they like you. you know, I'm gonna listen to this. A few more seconds to get out of here in case yeah. they haven't watched it. By the way, if you're like a not a Ted Lasso person, you're like, oh well. I mean, whatever. I mean, I'm not gonna watch it ever. No, go watch this fucking show. All right. Half of you have iPhones. They give you this Apple TV shit for free when you get a new iPhone. So get on it. All right. Five, four, three, two, one. Um, I was so excited for this, guys. Like I like the. I was telling Mike this that day because the um. The episodes are technically Fridays, right? So they drop at midnight Eastern mm-hmm. time. They drop at 9 p.m. Thursday nights on the West Coast. So mm-hmm. I was literally sitting at my desk like, all right, 902, refresh. Let's fucking go. Like, I like I was among the first people to watch this thing. <laughs> like, I was online and, like, the com- there was, like, 10 comments on those fucking Reddit threads. Um, that was a wonderful episode of television. Um, 
the scene where they're doing the Diamond Dogs and Nate's there and like did everybody else just feel a tension? Like, cause Ted knew, turns out Beard knew, Nate had this weird look of guilt, and poor Higgins is talking about all the dogs that shit in his office. <laughs> and like when Beard says, I'll I'm like I'd love to headbutt you. What do you say? Like, I'd be happy to headbutt I'll you, Nate. I'd be happy to headbutt you, Nate. That yeah. was a gold line. Like, that was one of the... I was like, oh, shit, what might happen here? Um, I thought Nate's whole monologue, like, and Jason Sudeikis' reaction to it was master acting by both of them. Like, there's a line in there where he's just telling... He's telling off Ted. And he says, you belong back in Kansas. And he there's a beat. And then he goes, with your son. And then, like, Ted you know, noticeably flinches, you know, like, it like, not that he's gonna take a swing on it, but almost like that, like landed. And I was like, and he's talking about like, you know, you have pictures of like all these Americans, but not me. And, you know, and Nate doesn't know what we know, which is like, he literally, Ted has a picture of Nate next to a picture that of his picture, son. That picture sure. that Nate gave him, he yeah. has next to a picture of his son. Yeah. Like that's the thought. That's what he thinks of this man. Like, and it was, I mean, just the Nate part of it, I thought was incredible. I mean, we'll, we'll go to the other parts too. But Mark, like Nate's whole arc, I know some people weren't a big fan of at the beginning, but I thought they just, when you think about the way they did it, it really played all the way back to the first season, how he came to this point. Yeah, no, I mean, I think what, what kind of helped me a little bit, you shared that, I guess the actor wrote those notes you shared with me earlier today. Yeah, um, that, Nick Muhammad is his name. Yeah, because yes. there was definitely, I think for myself, it always, it didn't, land is like earned as i thought because it was like nate in the beginning of the show was like this character that no one knew no one respected no one gave the time of day and then ted was really the person to notice that like not not only is there a human under this skin that's you know talking and helping to me but like he's a good kid and he also happens to know a lot about the sport and he takes him under his wing and he builds him up so to have this turn in season two where like they're slowly getting divided and and nate is becoming a real asshole like it it didn't seem the most natural in the world, but like after reading your notes that talked about some of the things they set up in season one and a lot of stuff that happened in season two that I wasn't really noticing as much, you know, does play into that turn earning. I mean, we obviously see Nate kind of get power hungry with how he's treating the other staff, especially how he treats the, um, I don't know, the ball boy or the, the guy that took his position. He really shits on him a lot. And a lot of stuff just kind of, it was just like, wow, why is Nate being such an asshole? You know, he was such a sweet kid early on, but you do see like, you know, and this, and this happens in reality, you know, when people get like, you know, I think when people especially have been kind of abused and they get into a, a position of power, it, it's not un, unheard of for them to kind of abuse that power and to treat people, you know, unfair or to, to treat people how, how he was treated because it makes them feel like that's just the natural order of things. Yeah, I said that um, someone I read the comment online where it was just hurt people hurt people and mm -hmm. it really felt like that's what happened here with Nate. Yeah, and I mean you saw like the other characters like Kaylee and um, Rebecca were trying to build, you know, Nate's confidence and they kind of it told like how Rebecca her thing was like she would, you know, before going into meetings, she would stand up and make herself really big, you know, to make herself feel like a big person and you know, Nate's way of doing that was to spit in the mirror, you know, and that gave him confidence. And, and again, the notes that you shared, Bobby, I think were really cool. And I wish more people would be able to see that because they talk about, you know, the subtleties of that. Like he's spitting on himself because like internally, even though he may not realize it, he kind of hates who he's becoming. 
but it makes him become the person that he thinks he wants to be. Um, and that kind of stuff, I think, is really subtle. And I think overall it does make the show a lot better. But, you know, someone that maybe didn't notice that it made it made the turn just feel ungenuine a little bit. So it's just like, man, why is he being such an asshole besides him? You know, besides the thing we just mentioned, but it was set up really well, you know, and I think I just didn't notice it because I wasn't keeping as keen an eye on it. But but yeah, overall, and that, and that scene was really great. And, you know, it was one of these things where you're just kind of like, yeah, there's a lot going on in this season. You know, uh, Ted's finally dealing with his mental health issues um, in a major way. And that's impacting a lot of his character's arc this season. And you don't really notice like, yeah, like him and Nate aren't really talking as much as they Absolute. used to. You know what, um, Mike, um, the only scene Ted and Nate had one on one this was season. in the penultimate episode. Yeah, no, it was this. They didn't have an episode scene before that one on one. Are you sure? I thought yeah, it was this was episode twelve. Was this episode twelve? Yeah, I think that was it. I don't think they did anything else oh, together. Okay. One on one. I, I thought this was episode thirty. And you know what was interesting was that um, we all saw Nate had moments, right? Where Mark mentioned the um, him shitting on. I keep forgetting the name of the. It's not Kyle. Colin. Colin is the player, but what's Kyle? his name? Yeah. Kyle. Kyle. Maybe the, the, the new kit man. Where Beard saw it, um, and like Nate's biggest concern was, did you tell Ted? And he didn't. And you can know that like Beard's job as the assistant coach is, you know, keep the stuff off of the head coach's plate, right? He's got his own issues. And as a friend of Ted's, Beard also knew that Ted's dealing with his own shit right now. You know, Ted's got his own problems, and he didn't want to add to it. And I almost think like, do you think? I mean, this is my. I mean, ask your opinion. But I thought maybe like, man, like him by protecting Ted left him blind to what was happening with Nate. You know what I mean? Yeah, yes and no, but I don't think anyone really realized how far gone or what was really going on with Nate. I think if Beard had known it was more um, of what was going on other than just he's kind of being a dick to the kit man, he probably would have told uh, Ted at that point. That's fair. Um, and you're the one who told me his light, the light literally left his eyes yeah, at the so, end there. Um, it, so those notes, so what Bobby sent us, Mark, that actually came, those mm -hmm. are all notes from an interview that uh, Nate's actor, whatever his, the, the actor's name is. Nick Muhammad. Nick Muhammad, that Nick Muhammad had with this guy where those were all things that he actually talked about in that mm -hmm. interview. And one of the things that Nick Muhammad mentioned was uh, the parallels between the first season, how the first season started and ended and how the second season started and ended where the first season generally was the journey of Rebecca, where the first season started with, uh, I guess the first shot was of Rebecca and ended with Rebecca as the last shot, whereas this and, you know, it went from she was a horrible person who I think I was texting Bobby when I first started watching the show, like, fuck that V, she's horrible. And by the end of the by the end of the, the season, I'm like, all right, she's redeemed. She's the best. But uh, Nate's character went the exact opposite direction. Mm -hmm. And Nick Muhammad in his script it says for that final uh, close-up of, of his eyes, it says in the script, the, the light like the light leads Nate's eyes. And I had already watched the episode one time already. And then when I went and watched it again, because it was just so such a great episode, I, I watched it again um, within a half hour of watching it the first time, which I'd never do. 
And when I watched it the second time, you actually literally see the light leave Nate's eyes and the eyes blacken a bit, which was, I thought, a really cool effect that they did. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. Can we talk about a uh, rich African owner? Because uh, Mike Sam Richardson, I know, I know, I know his name. Big Yo, fan of his. I he mean, all my trust. What did he? Listen, what are some of the lines we got? When he just <laughs> but, started, but when he, sc- he screamed at him, "You fucking Nigerian!" And I'm like, "Oh shit!" <laughs> You fucking like, Nigerian, you Yoruba trash, which I thought was a cool effect of uh, just shitting on his tribe. I'm, I'm going to buy your childhood home and shit in every room in the house. I'm going to shit in every room in your house, burn it down, and then use the ashes to cook some some African dish or something. <laughs> what was the name of his guy we shook hands for him? Where, uh... <laughs> Or that dude at the end when the shake Sam's hands and he just did the, you know, I'm too cool for you thing. <laughs> like, ran his hands through his head. That was fucking incredible. <laughs> yeah, that when When the character was introduced, like, I, I don't know if you guys know, like, who Sam Richardson is. Like, he's getting a lot of work. I see him in fucking everything. There was a commercial for a show with him things. right yeah. before the thing started. Yeah, because, I mean, he made, he was in, so, um... Tim Robinson is this guy who did the Detroiters and his show on Netflix has gotten really popular. It's called, I think you should leave. And Sam's like kind of his co-writer, like, you know, someone he does a lot of work with. So like when he showed up in Ted Lasso, it was like, it was cool. I, lo- I love seeing this guy, but he's like, he's a big physical comedian, like a physical comedian. And it was kind of like, he was playing this very posh, um, intelligent African guy. And it was like, okay, like he's doing a great, I thought he did a fantastic job. I thought the dialect was perfect it reminded me a lot of uh you know like how people talk like in black panther and wakanda and stuff and it was just very articulate and smart but it wasn't until that scene i was like okay this is why you hired this guy this is why he got the role because he can play this scene where he's this cool suave guy and then when he loses his shit he just goes off um and that scene was awesome uh that was really fun and, I, and that that's for me in the moment I was like okay now well, i know why you hired him why, why, of, like, why don't you else. tell us about your favorite scene with him bobby with who? With uh, with the African team owner. When he was choking the mannequin, you mean? Yeah, yeah man. Well, that was my favorite, too. I mean, that was the best scene for everybody. He was choking a mannequin. It was incredible. <laughs> Sam's look on his face the whole fucking time was just like, okay, bro. I don't know what well, me to tell. What I loved about Sam's reaction to the whole thing was that he wryly smiled just thinking, well, now I for sure know I made the right decision. Yeah. I mean, like, again, you, you, the show has shown a lot of character arcs and, like, people being one way in the beginning and changing. And this was a very short one, right? We, like, we were led to believe this guy's very humble and respectable, but also extremely rich and intelligent. Well, he, he only would shake hands with Sam, right? Right. He wouldn't right. shake hands with anybody else. <laughs> yeah. And then to see him kind of explode is like, okay, yeah. And just like you said, like, in that moment, he's like, oh, I absolutely made the right decision. Like, I might have been rich off this guy, but, like, this wasn't. This wasn't his journey. And I think Sam as a character is somebody that I think, especially early on in the season, was really just a side character. He really didn't have much of an impact or role. He was just another one of the players. And I think in season two has really grown to be an outspoken and really key character in the overall story. And his little storyline with Rebecca has been great. 
Um, and, and a lot of things he talked about, like, you know, how I think when he told Rebecca and, and that scene was really good, too. You know, basically where Ted is in the room with Sam and Rebecca when he's telling Rebecca, like, oh, I'm going to stay. And his reason was, like, it was the right choice for my personal journey. Like, and he's, he's dropped a couple lines like that, which is just like for a guy who's a football player in his early 20s, you know, moving from, you know, his African home to, you know, England to play soccer. Like he he has a lot of lines that hit a lot deeper than you would think. And yeah, just I thought his character was great and his arc has been great. Um, yeah. And then these scenes really elevated his character as well. I've really enjoyed uh, Roy's. Like coming sure, to being yeah. a real adult emotionally, um, and like but Jamie still apologized. immature. Like his way of dealing with things, it's he still reacts the same way, but he is more mental and more like 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 you know you're gonna talk about the Jamie Tart apology. Yeah. Like when he apologizes, and I think this happened early on, and like another argument he had, like he's like fuck, like I want to be mad at you, but you did all the, you said all the right things. I can't logically be mad at you well, because you basically apologize have you seen major league before mark yeah sure yeah, it's okay. been a long time there was a straight that pull at the end where like they were celebrating and he headbutted jamie and then hugged mm, him okay that yeah, was that straight that was straight roger <laughs> dorn because you know that's roger dorn from major league who chuck uh, charlie sheen fucked his wife um so roger dorn you know fucking punches charlie sheen while they're celebrating and then gives him a big hug you know that was mm -hmm. i mean this movie the whole premise of the show started with some major league shit where like the team owner's trying to destroy the team by hiring a you know bunch of un unqualified coach basically mm -hmm. um the i thought just it was a really i mean did people did you guys catch the people did this thing where like uh with the, the scene where nate's facing but they first cut to nate as coach of west ham um like he's facing his team. People put it up against like Darth Vader and the like staring at out the fucking um Death Star being built and stuff. Mm -hmm. I thought that was intentional too. The way they did that, the image of it, like how he's gone like fear full fucking evil, basically. I thought they just I mean, show's just well done. It doesn't have to be the show's not that complicated. You don't have to make a complicated show for people to be really into, you know? It's a very simple concept, this show. It's just about a guy, the fish out of water in the UK, and just uh, people's and the different characters' growth. You know what I mean? That's it's a very simple concept. And I know so I don't know anybody who watched it and said, "Okay, not for me." Yeah, that'd be yeah, hard. I agree. Just it's really well done. Um, does anybody have anything else to say about this season? I'm looking forward to the next season. Yeah. And if you have a PS5, do not activate that six-month PlayStation fucking – that's a six-month free thing until the last minute you can in July so you'll catch the third season. Literally no, telling you mine I mean, and Mark's plan right here. <laughs> I mean it, it wouldn't be – I'm not going to be shocked if people that listen to the show maybe, like you said, Bobby, like weren't interested in the show or weren't going to give it a shot because it is on a platform that has not really validated its worth to a lot of people like Apple TV – I mean, yeah, maybe if you're super into that ecosystem, that makes sense for you to, to pick that up. And the price point is really cheap. That's probably its best aspect is that it's like mm. $4.99 a month or $5.99 yeah. a month. It's, four it's much more month, yeah. yeah, much more affordable than some of the other um, services. But this show in and of itself is worthy of even just, you know, and I think at this point, too, like if 
you heard what we said and you're interested in watching the show, I think you get a trial for seven days and it's I think it's a very bingeable show. Uh, the first season was 10 episodes. This one was 12 They're They marked in around like 30 minutes or so. Um, and, and like a good bingeable show, like each episode leads you into the next you want. And I know when we were first watching it, like me and Christine were like one more, one more, one more, one more. Like that, that was good. Let's do one more. And then when we finally caught up, it was like, it was fuck. I wish I had one more to watch right now because that was so good. I want to, I'm intrigued to see what happens next. So I think now's not a bad time. If you're so inclined or this sounds good to you or you're just curiosity is getting the better of you, get the trial now. Binge all these so shows. Probably what? Uh, next August? If you imagine if they're starting the same schedule. Yeah. Next August, I, mean, who knows? I, I think like, like you said, they're still writing. They got, you know, the writing schedule got a little bunked because of COVID and stuff. Um, but obviously filming will be able to resume this, sooner than it would. So well, this is what you got to do. I was talking, we were talking about this. Actually, Mike, did you want to chime in first before we? No, I'm good. I thought you were, I thought you were waving me over. Sorry. Um, we talked about this because I was you were saying like a, a subscription service validating its existence. You need original content, like, uh, like I see these things for like Paramount, the Paramount Plus thing. Is there a reason to get Paramount Plus right now? Like, do they have anything? Does anybody know what they have that's like new content? That, like, I think they get movies. I I think I, new Halloween I pay, movies coming I pay out on for there. Paramount Plus, and I don't know what's in Paramount Plus. Are you sure you're not confusing mm -hmm. Paramount Plus with Peacock? Uh, I might be. Ooh, um, I was. I was. Peacock's, I was Peacock's the Because Mark did that. Peacock's the one that's got wrestling. I, I Peacock, might be Peacock is. Peacock is not that problem. Peacock is being. I've got Peacock. fucking. Peacock is getting hoisted up by the WWE fans, basically. That's what's carrying that entire platform right now. You need original content. Apple TV has justified it to me. I mean, I don't know. I haven't watched a John Stewart show yet. Uh, I was going to check that out because I have another two months on this subscription, I think, two or three months before I got to pay, and it's five bucks, so maybe I'll keep it. Um, but there's John Stewart show. There's that morning show thing, which is not my jam. I watched an episode. really wasn't my thing. I know uh, people like Tehran. They think it's a really good show on there. So I mean, I, they got me now, so I might as well see what's in there. And, you know, they, they it's, it's a commercial for Apple. Everybody's using – I mean, they're not beating you over the head with it, but you watch Ted Lasso. Everybody's got a fucking iPhone and a MacBook. You notice that? That's yeah. really it. Um, that's all, we, all I got this week, though. You guys got anything else? Nah. Do we get to preview something worth a damn next week? Mm, I don't know. I think, I think so. we're still Close in the all those windows down. Oh, no. This is the one where we, this is, we get to preview uh, oh, yeah. Paula a decent, and a pretty Vittori, good one, actually. That's not bad. Yeah, that's actually It's got Vittori versus Paulo Costa. You got mm -hmm. uh, Bruce Leroy's on the card. Ooh. Um, Randa Marcos is on there, too. So... And it's also the we can also pick Fedor versus uh, Tim Cop Mustache Johnson. Oh, um, that was happening. Yeah, that's happening and in, uh, in Russia. So Fedor just is conscious when it's over. They're going to give him the decision. So that's where we're at with that. With this, oh, Koresh, are they sending Koreshkov the fight? Okay, this is not a bad card, honestly. Just looking at it. Okay, guys, we'll be back next week. We're going to talk about uh, Marvin Vittori and Paulo Costa. Their fight, where they're gonna, the most exciting part might honestly be the shit talk leading up to it. Um, but uh, yeah, we're gonna see uh, the finals of this Bellator thing. We're gonna get that set this weekend. Mm -hmm. um, I think we're headed towards. I mean, based on my picks, we're heading towards the rematch of uh, Vadim Nemkov versus Ryan Bader. Mm -hmm. Yeah, um, seems likely. Did, did uh, one of us take? You took Corey Anderson, didn't you? Or who took Corey Anderson? I don't think any of us took Corey Anderson. Nope. Weren't feeling brave enough this week, I no. suppose. All right. So we're all picking a rematch 
of a fight where Brian Bader got his got his shit pushed in. So mm-hmm. history repeats. Yeah, we got some clear, you know, fucking validation of how good Nemkov is. Thank you all so much for listening. We really appreciate it. We really do. Um, be back next week. Um, stay safe. Get vaccinated. Go Niners. Go Giants. Really, just Giants. The Niners suck. Mike's not even gonna talk about the Jets. See y'all next week. It was Doctor Law. Kid, pre- uh, kid presentable still not here. DJ Mark Lavender Gooms. Peace out. <laughs> See ya.